Hey, and welcome everybody to episode three of HPP, the Hit Parade Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kay, alongside Patrick Mancuso and Thomas Hughes, and uh, welcome back, because uh, we have a few repeat listeners, and we're slowly growing, and that's everything we wanted. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Want to shout out to all those repeat listeners. <laughs> Love you. We're Love you. There. We got listeners, like I said, the United Kingdom, Belgium, hey Jeff, um, Japan for some reason, I don't even know how, so Ireland, so things are really working out for us, for sure. We're worldwide, Tom, how does that make you feel? You know, I, I know three people outside of Buffalo, so <laughs> it's not anyone I know. Oh, really? I can't believe that. Um, yeah, so I, one thing I did realize that a couple people asked about, so I'll get this out of the way now, is that if you want to email us and give us feedback or tell us how wrong we are and talk smack to us, uh, our email address is podcast at hitparadecollection.com. Real easy. Again, that's podcast at hitparadecollection.com. Send us all your emails, whatever you got. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hear it. You're basically emailing me directly, and I want the funniest stuff you got, for sure. Even if you have questions about the uh, about oh, yeah. the industry and you want us to answer them on the podcast, let us know. Yeah, I think I, – could you imagine we get to a point where we're doing, like, a mailbag and people are just asking us questions? Mm-hmm. I love that part. Um, yeah, so one of the ways that we wanted to open the show today was talk about various sports Christmases. That's kind of how we call it. Um, for me personally, one of my favorite days of the year in sports is the NHL trade deadline. For the longest time, I would hang out with my friends. We'd actually take off of work for it and hang out and play NHL 94 while the trades rolled in. And uh, there was actually one story where we used to like go on Twitter and break fake trades that actually Brad May one time believed us and he got in trouble for it. But Tremendous. That's, that's a story for a different time. Tremendous. 100%. Yeah, we, we did this one time. Twitter fraud. So, yeah, exactly. It was, it was tons of fun. But, um, in recent years, like like Tom's about to like jump on for why it's not one of the best days of the year anymore, uh, a lot of hockey trades get out of the way like the week prior to the deadline. So even now, um, with Patrick Kane getting traded today to the Rangers, there's not going to be as much movement on Friday, which means it's, it's kind of less exciting than it used to be. But even still, uh, it's still one of my favorite days of the year. Hockey Christmas was always cool, uh, especially when your team's contending and you don't know if they're going to sell, if they're going to buy, like what are they going to do. So it's cool just to hear that they're in there and all the rumors and all this other jazz. Why do you have your furrowed brow, Tom? Because you're a Sabres fan. So what? What big trade deadline moves do the Sabres ever do that make you say, I love that day? Danny Breer, Mirror all that stuff back in the day Boom, when they roasted. were good. Boom, roasted, take a seat. But those weren't big trades back then. Like no They one... were to me. That's fine. I enjoyed those players. That was when uh, I knew every player in the NHL, and I played NHL, whatever, in 2007 or whatever it was back in the day, all the time, and those are dudes I loved. So that was just a lot of fun for me. And I, I remember many a days, and then to be like, oh, we got Cody Hutchins. Woo-hoo. Yeah, sure, <laughs> there, sure, there's bad days, but – that's the beauty of this topic. Those are Galasano days. Oh, well, let's not talk about those. That was back when I was working there. And mm. someone, I got to tell the story of when I accidentally leaked the logo to the world. Uh, yeah, well, is that, that an ex- is that an accidental move? Yeah, well, one hundred percent was. It was not on me, but it was on me. Well, again, teaser for a future episode. Stay tuned. Maybe, maybe episode like twenty five. We'll we'll have the story. Yeah, we'll get there. So, regardless, um, that's one of my favorite days, regardless of Tom's opinion. But uh, Patrick, what's one of your favorite days of the year? Of the year, yeah, like sports-wise? Yeah, like your sports Christmas. Like the thing you look forward to in sports every Pro- year. I, honestly, probably Christmas Day. Uh, okay. The reason being is my family uh, gets together Christmas Day at my uh, family restaurant, and we kind of uh, serve the less fortunate, and uh-huh. we kind of watch basketball all day together. And it's kind of like a thing where we don't normally get to be together under one house watching, or one roof watching sports. Patrick, so I'll, 
This is your show. Plug the restaurant, man. Uh, T.F. Brown's in Batavia. Uh, it's been <laughs> in my family since 1930. Uh, used to be Mancuso's restaurant, but yeah, uh, that was probably it's probably Christmas Day is my is my, is my Christmas. Uh, I cherish that one the most. I really enjoy that one. Uh, just a lot of friends and family. Yeah, everybody around. I always look forward to when I see advertisements for Christmas Day basketball. I'm always like. Dang it! Yes, okay. I have something to look forward to. Maybe Knicks always start off though, so it always gets me like going. Like the ten a.m. games are always then you're all fired up after they blow yeah. it. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Oh, I get to watch LeBron again. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they lose one hundred eight to ninety two. You're so happy. Yeah, but this year was nice. We had football too, so it was it was, it was a nice change. That's pretty cool. I, yeah. So then, Tom, what is like the day you look most forward to in the sports? So mine's not going to be nearly as sentimental. Like that's like pulling yeah, I know, the right? strings. <laughs> I wasn't like I didn't know that was his answer either. <laughs> yep, here we go. How, how do you follow that? Pull one out of the bag. You don't. But luck. it is the first two days of March Madness. Absolutely, it's the best. And, and it's the crazy thing is, it comes to Buffalo every three years, four years, and I always like to go. But at the same time, I hate that I'm not just sitting watching game after game after game. Mm-hmm. And, like, you literally, oh, wait, this game's close. You change the channel to this game, and that game ends, and there's another game. And it's just basically nonstop for 14 hours on Thursday, 14 hours on Friday. Everyone's ripping up their brackets that are going to hell. You're, you know, the whole time you're sitting there watching games, and it's an absolute blast. One day I am going to take some time off of work, if they ever let me. And I am going to go to Vegas, and I'm going to sit at a sports book oh. and just sit there oh. for 16 hours on Thursday, 16 hours on Friday, that, and just and just watch the games at a sports book. That was my plan when I moved to Vegas. That was my plan, and March Madness, COVID had just ruined March Madness. That's awful. Yeah, because, I mean, I think I've been watching March Madness the first couple of days with, like, the same group of people for forever at this point. And just, like, again, for those who don't know, Tom is – my direct superior so i'll tell you now that i'll be taking half days on that thursday and friday um (laughs) but yeah it's it's super fun you get to hang out actually some of the friends i hang out with that's like one of the three times a year i see them now because everybody grew up and you know had families and kids not me i just have a dog but they did so i'll go over like craig's house and hang out with them and it is it is super fun but back in the day we used to have four tvs going at one time it's the only reason we knew what true tv was is because it had a game on it printed out their brackets that they filled out highlighting i have too many brackets though i can't keep track of them all it's Another gambling thing that we do. Very Another pool that I run. Yes. Oh, I gotta start that up soon too. Damn it! Yeah, right. it, it's just one of those things where like you can't even. You have so many brackets, like you're like, yes, I picked that upset. Oh wait, I don't have them in these three brackets, mm-hmm. but I have them in these right. two, and it's. But it's just fun because almost anything can happen. Uh, obviously, we saw the the 16 seed beat Virginia a few years ago, mm-hmm. the first time that ever happened. Uh, but it's always a blast seeing you know North Carolina as a three seed get knocked out in the first round. Yeah, that's really funny. I always say the start of March Madness is the perfect time to get uh, surgeries done, like just really easy surgeries, so you can just lay around the house and just. <laughs> that's smart. It's a really good. Well, it's not well, though, because the, the secret you to schedule out, your surgery. The, the secret's out now, the so <laughs> right, exactly. But on top of that, like, no, it's not because kind of the added best part is that it's always usually on St. Patrick's Day weekend. On top of it, so like that. Growing up, especially, it was like watch the games most of the day, then go out and like party for St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Go out, go to the parade sometimes, and like the games are playing like while you're out there partying with people. It's just overall just a great party atmosphere, and everybody loves it. It's a I, th- I think it has a better shot of being a holiday than the Super Bowl does. No, because it's too long. You, you can't have it that. Well, way. well, well see, see, like, the, the first Sunday. day, 
first day of March Madness is a much more happier time than I think than people are in the Super Bowl. Well, because because everyone, not everyone, but most people, their teams are in at that point. You got so many teams that you know. There's so many fans out there. Super Bowl, you have two fan bases left. That's um, fair. To be fair, my team is usually not in it. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so we're usually yeah. not in it. So, But it still gets me ha- I'm happier to watch that yeah. than I am the Super Bowl. But you, you do have the not in t- <laughs> I really root for the worst teams. You are, yeah. You, <laughs> i tell you Knicks what. And, no no wonder Knicks, I hate the way you are. Knicks, uh, the Sabres, the Bills, um, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, football and basketball. Hey, they're always in the not in tournament. Yeah, they're <laughs> we're always in the, yeah, the, the <laughs> NIT. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's the worst tournament in the entire world. Who cares about that damn tournament? The people in it. Nobody. They don't even care about it. No. The only reason they're playing is because they just want to keep playing basketball. If you called it the poop tournament, they would still play. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's called it I guarantee you. They might have a little issue. Look, if you, they, it doesn't matter that they just want to keep playing. But No, don't shit on the NIT too much. I mean, oh, I'll oh, shit. all right, it doesn't matter. You know who? Hold on. It doesn't matter as much to the, to the top schools who always assume they should be in mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter to them but to those mid-majors that like bust their ass every year it should and, be like, a mid-major yeah, madness it basically is yeah you know and then they get to, but that. then they get to go up against a, a major team and try and you know pull the upset and stuff so it does matter to people mm. guy who's gonna just shit on everything because he's miserable about his career choices in his sports <laughs> life they're just <laughs> it's just the worst tournament ever no one wants to play a second nah, place there's one tournament. that's worse than that there's another <laughs> tournament i forget yeah. though what is the C the CBI or something? Isn't yeah? I think it's like that. Is it like the? B- it's like the preseason games. No. Oh, oh, there's a yeah. There's wow. a one lesser than the NIT man. It's like the not in tournament in the can't ball tournament or something. You're really proud of yourself. That's a, I know you came with that on the fly. <laughs> it's just, so. Yeah, really and it's definitely not the right letters, really but it's the poop tournament. <laughs> <laughs> that was the poop tournament. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> you have just won the poop tournament. You just get a big trophy. It's just a, a steaming pile. Congratulations. No, it's got to be like gold. And- uh, you, win, you, you win a fog machine just <laughs> represent the steam. All right, so enough about players that can't ball, but I know there is somebody who can. So, Patrick, why don't you tell me about what Dame Lillard did the oh, other day? God. Uh, Dame Lillard dropped 71 points, tied for the most points since Kobe dropped 81. Uh, Devin Booker dropped 71 also this year. Uh, he is the eighth player to score 70 points in NBA history. My follow-up question is, can you name the other seven? I can name Kobe. Wilt. Did Michael Jordan do it at some point? He had to have, right? Let's see. Oh, he's got it right see. now. He should know this. Well, I don't know that many stats. That's why I write them down. If I knew them, I wouldn't write anything down. That's fair. Uh, so what are they? Wilt. Correct. Moses Malone. No. Kobe. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. I said Michael Jordan. He had to have done it at some point. Nope. What? What was his highest ever? How do you not know I this? don't know that one. Uh, go ahead. Uh, so I'll run through them. Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Kobe, David Robinson, Elgin Baylor, David Thompson, and Wilt Chamberlain. They all did it once except for Wilt, who did it six times. All right. Wilt was something else, though. Oh, I know. Oh, I, went down, I went down a really deep rabbit hole <laughs> of Wilt stats, and there are some incredible, incredible Wilt stats. Records that will never be broken. It is actually called Wilt Chamberlain's Most Unbreakable Records. Oh, please lay them on me just for real. Just, just for, for real quick. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just run through them. Most points in a game by a rookie, 58. Okay. That, that, could, be that, that could be broken. Well, maybe broken. But, but that's it, the 10th most. Wembayana is going to break it Hold next on. year. So the, the, the closest person to him is, uh, it says uh, Barry back in 65. I guess Rick, Rick Barry. Barry. Yeah. Uh, 57. And then uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe in 68. 
and then uh, Jennings in 2009, Brandon and Will Jennings. Chamberlain in 59. Will Chamberlain did it about five times in there <laughs> out of 15. We'll just keep going because <laughs> highest assist per game in a season by a center, 8.6. Probably the most beatable record he has. I mean, is, is Jokic considered center? That That's not up to me. That's up to the NBA. Because I, I feel like he could definitely do he that. He could, but he hasn't. Uh, he the closest actually he got he's third place with seven point three back in two thousand eighteen nineteen two thousand seventeen eighteen uh, Jokic again but Chamberlain holds the first two spots most shot attempts in a game without a miss what's Eight, that eighteen huh I mean it sounds like Christian Leitner in forty forty six straight it. points pretty much <laughs> uh, then he's got second place third place <laughs> he's most consecutive games without following out. 1,045. Most rebounds in a regular season game, 55. Playoff game, 41. In a season, 2,149. Jesus. I just, how many misses are there that you have 55 rebounds in one game? He was playing with plumbers. So <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's true, too. Like, 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 just a, highest scoring average in a season, 50.4 points per game. Like, do you, wait, wait. I just want to go back to the 55 rebounds. Do you think he was Ricky Davis and missing his own shots, just getting his own rebounds? <laughs> At one, I mean, he was <laughs> taller than everybody else, so that very could That's be. Part of it too. He's just sitting there, but it's uh, it, the list goes on and on. Most career fifty-point games, hundred and eighteen, <laughs> like that's sixty-point games, thirty-two, seventy-point games, six. It's most points in a season, most points in an NBA game, <laughs> most. Most this is the this is the most impressive one will never be beat and I will put this on my firstborn child unborn child I don't have a kid I might I don't know what is, what is going on most minutes per game in a season he averaged more than the actual regulation forty eight point five minutes players take too much time off these days I agree with I that. don't see anybody beating that record ever ever ever. Just, so I, I wanted to talk about Damian Lillard, but I think everyone just forgot that we were talking about <laughs> I, him. I forgot about him. I forgot about him while I was researching this, too, because <laughs> I went down a very deep, deep, dark well, hole. Well, all right, congratulations Will to Will Chamberlain, his fantastic career that apparently nobody knew about until right now. Patrick. <laughs> I'll keep going about Dame, Dame Lillard. No, no, that's just, true, because that's basically what, that's what our next topic kind of was. Is Damian Lillard the most overlooked basketball player in the NBA when it comes to superstars? Yes. I believe so, because when you name him, you're going with Giannis. LeBron, Durant, and Tatum. But, I mean, no one ever talks about Damian Lillard, ever. Well, I think people talk about him, but... I don't think they give him enough credit, I should say. That's fair. Why do you feel about that? So, I will tell you, way back when, when I first started buying cards, uh, Damian Lillard had about a $30 autograph, and I was like, this is way too cheap. And I literally bought every Damian Lillard autograph that was under $50 for about four months, until his price went up. So I am a huge Damian Lillard fan. Um, another guy I think doesn't get enough credit because he's not very flashy is Jimmy Butler. Mm, um, that's fair. People don't talk about him until it's playoff time, and then they're like, oh, wait, this guy's really, really good defensively. The guy can score. The guy does everything. Um, one other under-the-radar guy I'm going to mention, just because their team is actually relevant for the first time since Mitch Richmond, is uh, De'Aaron Fox out in Sacramento. Yep. Um, if you live on the East Coast, I probably can tell you that you've maybe watched one game that he's played this year because no one's watching that West Coast basketball. I used to love the Kings. Um, but I think that's a big problem being in those being in those we- those West Coast markets 
is that if you're not the Lakers or if you're not the Clippers or we'll even say the Jazz, you're just lost in the wash. Well, it's not so much the Western Conference. I mean, it's just big market, small market type scenarios too. Like like I said, you kind of beat me to the punch. Um, the biggest problem with Dame and his popularity is that he plays for Portland. And like... That was really cool in, what, like, 1992? Bill Walton. Yeah, exactly. So, but, like, back then, that was something. But for the most part, like, nobody thinks of Portland. Nobody, No kids grow up and think, wow, I'm going to be a Trailblazer fan. Like, it just doesn't happen. And props to Dame for wanting to stay where he's been for forever. Like, he's not le- – I mean, he might leave eventually, but he hasn't wanted to. He's wanted to win in Portland, and that's great. But it's same with him and same with De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. Like, they are not. They're overshadowed by everywhere else because they're just not the. Is loyalty the big not the way to go in the NBA? Have I've, you paid attention to the NBA? <laughs> well, I'm just. I know it's more of a rhetorical question, but the I'm just. Like, no. I wish. I wish I could talk to Dame and tell him that. Like, this doesn't matter if you spend your career in one place. If, I mean, Hall of Famer, sure. But if you're if you're looking for a Hall of Fame career, you did it. You can stop. If you're looking for a championship, you're gonna have to go somewhere else or. He wants to be a trailblazer and lead Shut them up. to a no, first chance. Yeah. 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 Dad yeah. jokes. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. We just lost. <laughs> we have like seven followers. We just lost two of them. Oh One of them's God. me. The other one's Patrick. So. You're welcome. <laughs> that was awful. Dad but, jokes. Central. But speaking of the Kings, um, the other day the Kings beat the Clippers 176 to 175 in overtime, in d- double overtime, <laughs> which is absolutely insane. It's just completely insane. It's, it's a game. lot of points. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But a thing popped up. Uh, that the NBA was considering to prevent like mega points like that, and basically just to help player wear and tear because everybody's so worried about load management and all that jazz mm-hmm. nowadays. I know it's it's it is what it is. That's no. the new NBA. That overtime becomes something where like they set a point total and they just like race towards that. I actually had that written down yeah. on here. It was the uh, um, the new rules, part of the new rules that are coming out. They're actually going to do that. Well, the, there's rumors that it's going to happen. There's other rumors too, like uh, oh, the, other rule changes. But yeah, like you said, the the reason being is for load management on the players and over broadcasting. Mm, I hate all of this. So personally, I think that's terrible. I don't think that they should have a points cap. They should just literally play until there's a winner, like mm-hmm. they've been doing, because it leads to awesome games like this. But Tom, how do you feel about it? So I would have told you a couple years ago that I hate the idea, but after seeing it in the NBA All Star game, I do think it create some urgency uh, in these games. And I do like the fact that you know at any point, like, hey, next shot's going to win or whatever like that. Like, it does almost give that sudden death feeling that you get with hockey or something like that. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't like to see it in the playoffs, but I do like it in in the situation where, hey, this team's going down to score. If they miss, the other team can get the rebound, go down, score, and win. So I, I don't mind it. I really don't. I hate it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either. I don't like it. It, it takes away cool, like, it kind of takes away buzzer beaters and stuff, too, if they're not, because, will they have a clock? They won't have a clock. It'll just be play to yeah. the score. I mean, you might as well, yeah. So, like, at this point, like, you get close, you're just heaving off. That's not as fun. Like, we just talked about March Madness and how much you love that. Literally, the best part about March Madness is when it's a close game like that, or even in overtime, and somebody hits that, like, last second shot. That may, That's, like, some of the best sports stuff ever. And... Going to a certain point, point total, like it just kind of takes takes that away. But the tournament's a playoff winner, winner, you're out. Like this is just a regular season game. I think it's a completely different ballpark. I guess. I mean, I know what you're saying. It's just, eh. I hate the. I hate them saying that one of the reasons is load management. Like we mm-hmm. don't watch other physical sports. 
Like, like it's, oh my gosh, these guys have to sit out for X amount of games because they play too much. When I just, just went over how, how Will Chamberlain played 48 and a half minutes per well, not, game in, in a season. It's not even that. You don't see... How you don't, much are they getting paid, you, you, too? You don't see Connor McDavid saying, you know what, I'm going to take this game off. Right. I need to take a break. Or, you know, could you imagine if Patrick Mahomes said, hey, I'm going to take week 14 off because uh, I'm, I'm being a Oh, my God, bit people little. go crazy. Who's the hockey player that got hit, who got slashed in the face and lost a tooth and went out like a minute late? I mean, Most there's, of there's them, a ton of them. Yeah, <laughs> all I would them. say all yeah, Halfway all through them. that question, that, I realized that's why, it was stupid. That's why every hockey fan laughs when LeBron gets hurt and he gets carried off by four people because his he hasn't even a back spasm or Not something. Not only that, but like you get people now who are international fans who are traveling, and now they have to. You basically have to put out a roster list of who's when he's not going to play. So I don't yeah. buy those yeah, it's, tickets. It's terrible. And like I said, I've seen players in hockey with their jaws wired shut, and they play in the playoffs. Um, I, I think the whole load management is a bunch of shit, and I don't like any of it. But it's the new world we live in, and I don't see it change anytime soon. Yeah. I get it. New rules. So, thinking of the new world that we live in, uh, boxing's in a different world nowadays. It's not the way it used to be. And over the weekend, uh, Jake Paul, as we we kind of touched on it last show, he was taking on Tommy Fury, and well, Jake Paul lost. And Patrick, you have more it, on this. It tonight. was a good. It was a good match. A uh, very good match. I think Tommy Fury would just dominated a little bit more. Well, um, that's why he won by decision. Yes. Yeah. Um, wasn't by much. Uh, once again, the refs decided to stick their nose into the match. So what? <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't watch this at all. But what? What I heard about this. What exactly? So happened? basically, they the ref was uh, took a point away from both. I think it was the first was Paul because he hit the hit the back of his head during he, a clinch. He, he pulled his head down. Yeah. For well, during a clinch, and then he gave a point for, for from uh, Fury for clinching too much. Yeah. Like it was almost like, oh wait, I probably don't shouldn't have done that. Like oh, a makeup call. Yeah. yeah. Like it was one hundred percent. 100% hockey. Oh, I got a tripping there. Oh, I'm going to call this uh, yeah, slash there. It happened, like, slash. it happened late, too. It happened, uh, uh, I think Paul's happened in the third, the fourth or fifth round, okay. and then Tommy's happened in the sixth or seventh. And there was only eight rounds. I mean, to- so it, it's always funny because anytime you bring a Paul into one of these things, People immediately talk about is it fixed? Is it not fixed? I hate that argument. I, yeah, like oh, well, that's here's it. the script, and you know people had fake scripts before the fight came out, and it was almost like when they took the point away, like oh my god, this is the script. Like he's gonna lose by one point yeah. because they took a point away, and then the refs like oh yeah, I better not do that because I because the script's gonna be out. Like it's such a social media world we live in where everybody wants to jump to conclusions that no one believes what they see anymore, mm-hmm. and it makes you know. It makes you hard to really cheer for these guys because the social media kind of destroys it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even uh, during the match, I wanted Jake Paul to lose even more because in the third round, Logan Paul was basically talking shit to Tommy Fury. And he was telling him he was too gassed out to keep going. And that makes – I love when people do that because I that drives me. When you tell me, like, I can't go anymore, that just – so know. I'm gonna. The thing with Logan Paul right now is that if I, I don't know what you guys know about him right now, but he's been in WWE now. So like he's, he's literally signed. He's a wrestler. He does some things. cool shit. And right now he's getting amped up to go. He's he's facing like I think Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. It's like kind of a big thing. And he's a wrestler. He's that guy. So I think a lot of this, especially when it comes with, because like having Fury's brother in there is interesting because. 
the good fury he's like messed around with wwe too so mm-hmm. you want to talk about scripts and shit like i feel like there's a reason that these two fought and it might have something to do with like money on the back end for like selling wrestlemania and stuff Absolutely. i mean it's just a small thing where they could go somewhere with it but either way um i know what you're saying social media these guys can be like douchebags blah, blah blah but like behind the scenes all the reports are that they're just really really nice guys <laughs> And it's just like Logan Paul. Maybe not Jake so much, but like Logan Paul, people are saying is like he's just a delight. And well, like he cares about putting out a good show and like he's training his ass off to just like He's a definitely wrestler. a showman. For I sure. love these a showman. And I, I think the WWE is making a great move uh, by, by bringing him in and having him uh, and signing him in a contract. He has the biggest fought one of the biggest followings in YouTube's. Yeah, well, he History. he basically said, "Hey, I'm gonna become a I'm gonna become a boxer, and I'm gonna use the WWE style to promote and make money." This guy has that was his first real fighter he fought wow. is making more money than almost every boxer out there because he's promoting his own fights the way they do in a WWE uh, circumstance. So he's using social media. He's using that kind of flamboyant tr- talk trash mm-hmm. to get money, um, and it's worked. Listen, all the time. Listen, let's, especially in boxing. Well, it worked in UFC. Look at Conor McGregor was a also then fighter, all star shit talker, amazing shit talker. Mm-hmm. Was amazing at at basically promoting his own fights and became the highest paid guy in in the UFC. And he was he was good, but he wasn't probably a top ten guy for me all time. No, no, not for me. No. Well, either way, all I'm saying is that. If you see at SummerSlam in August that the Paul brothers are taking on the Fury brothers in a WrestleMania or like a a wrestling ring, don't be too surprised. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I, I, like, I would love to see that. It's be on great. its way. And it, coming to a ring near you one way or the other. But do, you, do you think, sorry to interrupt, but do no. you think this loss hurts Jake Paul's legacy boxing? He doesn't have a legacy boxing, though. Isn't this like his first official fight? Isn't this, if he won this fight, boxing would recognize him? Yep. So boxing was going to recognize him. But he had a clause. He has a rematch clause in there. And he oh, said, well, he said right after it. the fight that he, he said after the fight he was going to he was gonna do it. Good. He should. And he probably... If he works his ass off and wins the next one, all right, maybe. He just has to win more for people he, to care. Yeah, if he loses again, it's over. Yeah, I, I saw a stat where, like, the guys that uh, Tommy Fury fought before this were a combined, like, 13 and 116. <laughs> so it's not even like Tommy Fury is this great box that he lost to. So it, it does kind of make me wonder if he does have a, a he had, future. He had a better chin than the rest of the people, though. I mean, he was eating those, those punches that were – I mean, he – Jake Paul didn't land a ton of punches compared to Fury, but well, yeah, I, it really seems like he kind of took, he kind of just like looked past it. He just assumed he would win because he's been done well in his other fights that, like you said, weren't against boxers. So mm-hmm. maybe this woke him up, and maybe he'll become a better boxer because of it, or maybe he'll just eventually go away because he'll lose the rematch, and then after that, it's kind of a wrap, right? Yeah. But in terms of boxing, though, they kind of need this. Like, Absolutely. So, like, 100% boxing needs this. So need this. I mean, you I'm sure Flo- they're going to help it as much as they can. You got Floyd Mayweather right now boxing in front of a 1,000 people. Right. And a lot of people don't know that. And one of his last fights were just in front of nobody. So, boxing right now needs this more than anything. Well, it's, it's just UFC has taken over that, that place in, in America – Americana, whatever you want to call it, but, pure Americana. Yeah, but everyone—it's UFC. People, people watch that. People clamor for that. You know, these guys are now becoming household names. Where if you go talk to someone about boxers, they know Mayweather, they might know Fury, and after that, they're probably running out of names. And then they know Ivan Drago and Rocky, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I saw Mike Tyson in this movie once. Yeah, Punch Out. That's the other thing people. <laughs> the Hangover. <laughs> 
guy in the hangover. But yeah, so speaking of the UFC, so uh, John Jones is returning, I hear? Yeah, I, versus so, Sorrell Gain. All right, so tell me about that. Uh, John Jones back uh, for the first time since 2020. Ooh. Um, and is looking to become the eighth multi-divisional champ as well as the third man to become heavyweight and lightweight champion. If you had to guess how many fights John Jones has lost since 2008, which was the beginning of his career, how many would you say? Tom knows this. I know this, so I'm going to abstain from answering. I was going to say three, but I don't really know. Less. Yeah, probably less, right? So Less than two. Yes. So Lost once. Yep. And in my opinion, he lost another one. I thought he lost to Gustafson. Do you think so? I, I watched that fight, and I think that it was a case of, I guess, to beat the champ, you need to beat the champ, and he, uh, it was close, and they gave it the, to, Jones. to Jones, but I thought Gustafson definitely won that fight three rounds to two. Are you a big John Jones fan? Uh, shocker, I do not like John Jones. Why is that a shocker? <laughs> because cause he's like you know LeBron, all those other big names people seem to love. I, I tend not to like as much. Um, never really been a fan of his, and obviously the drug suspensions, the uh, arrest, and all that stuff kind of make me even more so someone who roots against him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, you're you're dressed like a typical UFC fan. So, who are some of your favorite guys? Um, so I'm an old school. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a Nike shirt. I don't. I guess Nike you know, people. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. to YouTube. You I know. <laughs> For guys, people listening, it's, it's Paris. Hat. It's the Nike, it's the Nike Par- Jordan Paris <laughs> flat rim. Um, curved, 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 just to perfection. I, it's not like I'm wearing an affliction shirt here, guys. <laughs> Do you have one? No. Did you ever have one? Uh, yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Ed Hardy shirts. All right, all right, Ed Hardy right, shirts. Right. We're getting sidetracked. But so again, your 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 favorite fighter because I know you're really really into this. This is so yeah. I'm I'm favorite. a big Ultimate Fighter guy. So a lot of my favorite fighters have fought on that. Um, you named your dog after one of them. I right? did. So Uriah Faber back in the WEC days was a real big uh, fan favorite of mine. And then <sighs> there it is again. <laughs> two out of three. <laughs> two out of three episodes. Time God, we didn't tell him before, so that's on us. <laughs> <laughs> um. Forrest Griffin in the very first Ultimate Fighter, oh, loved Griffin's him. Great. And then um, right now I'm a big fan of Michael Chiesa. Yeah. Um, back on the Ultimate Fighter, lost his father, left, came back, won the show. Um, so he's one of my favorites. Who are you taking in this fight? Who do you like, Sorrell Gain or, uh, or John Jones? I- I'm going to go Gain. Jones hasn't fought in a long time. And Cheers. the last couple fights that he was in, um, he didn't look dominant like he used to. Uh, got caught a couple times, so I'm I'm thinking moving up the weight class, um, he might he might get caught. How old is he now? He's up there, man. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So like thirty ish. Is that I mean, how old is too old in the UFC nowadays? Uh, just, 50, just as long as you 52. can take a punch, really. Yeah, un- unfortunately, you you see a lot of these guys, especially 35. especially the guys that fought early in the in the UFC days. They didn't make a lot of money, so they're still fighting because true. they they didn't make bank. They didn't they didn't be able to get all this wealth where they can kind of sit back and relax. So they're still fighting, trying to get that paycheck. There were also no weight classes either. <laughs> Just oh. get in there and fight, bro. If, Godspeed, amigos. It, if you if you have not seen highlights or the fights you, from the very first UFC, UFC one is incredible. It is absolutely yes. incredible seeing a guy with one boxing glove on because he was a boxer, and the other one without it without a boxing glove. <laughs> it looked like a broke man street fighter. <laughs> yes. he like, Just bum fights. <laughs> like, oh, he's a boxer. We'll give him one boxing glove, but then he couldn't grapple because he had his one yeah, hand in a boxing like, oh, glove. 
like every Kimbo Slice video. Yeah. <laughs> you had a, a sumo wrestler in there fighting a, a kickboxer. Like, like Baraka. It, it <laughs> was. Throwing knives out there. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. So if you want to see some craziness, go Pretty watch true. the very first one. Isn't the first, one of the fights like a guy who was like 400 pounds versus a guy who was like a buck 80? He was like a kickboxer. And then the guy who was a buck 80 just won. He yeah, exactly. I, I, spoiler alert. The, <laughs> it don't matter. Back, back, then, just, back then, there was like no rules. So you could go to the ground and just get punted in the face. And there was no time limit either. Just it wasn't like, oh, you got two and a half minutes until the round's over. It's like, <laughs> whenever this fight ends, this is when you guys are going to get up. Dies, so, yeah, yeah it's pretty, pretty much. Oh, yeah, it was incredible. Those are the best rules. The best uh, rules. So no rules are the best rules? A hundred percent. When it comes to street fighting, no rules are the best rules. I guess And I've seen well, it because I used to work rules. in a bar. The best rules are no rules. You ever been in a big fight? Uh, yes, I have. Did you win the fight? Uh, we did. We we, <laughs> we did. So well, when there's a, really, there a big fight, there's other a group of your involved. friends. Was it like a date where you took on another couple? Oh uh, no, no, that would have been incredible. <laughs> Mixed uh, tag match. Uh, baseball team. Your whole baseball team? Oh, that's uh, not all of it, but you know, did you did you Chippewa. did, yeah, you, did you throw at somebody? Did you start? I threw at someone and I got thrown at. It wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you start it? Did I start it? No, I did not. Uh, I personally did not. So so I I may have started a bench clearing brawl. In my my softball days, of course you have Incre- absolutely incredible. Move. So wait, wait, what happened? So you threw at somebody first? Uh, I didn't personally. Our friends kind of. It was one of those drunk nights on Chippewa type deals. And oh, I thought you were saying it was literally like during a baseball game. No, no, that's what no. I thought too. Oh <laughs> yeah. no, I was talking about like it's just like a brawl. So your team went out and saw a rival team in a bar like West Side Story. <laughs> and you guys just started, you know, we were all stabbing at the same time in unison. Uh, no, it was downtown Chippewa. Uh, it, uh, bo- no, it wasn't Bottoms Up. It was... Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. 67 <laughs> West, these people don't know. Yeah. But it was like one of those things where it was, there was a misunderstanding and then it turned into a pissing match and then all of a sudden there a were just... Match. Some of the, some of the, uh, the punches I, I saw thrown there were just chef's kiss. Tremendous, absolutely. <laughs> people get knocked out. People... Bloody eyes, bloody faces. Bloody just eyes. one of my favorites. Oh, good times. The best. I, I feel like you have a lot more to tell us at some point. I we'll do. get into it some other Yeah, yeah no, it's episode 25. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of baseball, <laughs> yes, that's lots and lots of rule changes are coming. We're going to wait a little bit to talk about the new baseball rules, but they've already affected games. So, Patrick, why don't you lay the rules on us, and then we'll discuss like pitch clocks and all that other jazz. So there, there's a litany of new rules that are uh, coming out, and they actually put this into effect last year for minor league baseball. Okay. Uh, so they kind of got a good taste of, how it will play out, but there's a new pitch timer. Uh, there's shift restrictions. There are larger bases, automatic runner on base, uh, on second base and extra innings, which we kind of already saw before. And the restrictions for position players used as pitchers, which is just the most <laughs> absurd, ridiculous rule. They didn't even need to make it. They based that rule is basically like if you're a position player playing defense and your team's down eight you can pitch but if they're down seven you can't pitch okay so it's pretty obvious if you just read what these rules are to people who don't care about baseball that they're really just trying to make the game go a faster and b it's basically to make it more fun to watch yeah more sexy because baseball with the shift and stuff there were hitters like i always go to christian yelich is like the best example where he was awesome and he was like he won he won mvp right or did he, he was runner-up twice, I yeah. think. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they they do the shift and figure out exactly where he's going to hit it, and then he just became like this bum. And it's mm-hmm. not a bum, but you know what I'm saying. Like it just, it just wipes it away. 
And now, like, restricting that, all of a sudden you're going to get more hits, which means more runs, which means more excitement, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, adding the um, runner on second for extra innings, that's just to make sure that the game goes faster. faster. Load management. (laughs) You're right, but, like, (laughs) but yeah, but it's load management for the fans because, like, nobody wants to sit through these five, six-hour marathons anymore. Like, is it ever cool to be like, yo, I was at that 22-inning Three no, three to two game, three nothing game, three to two game. You know, it's not that much fun. It's not. Nope, it's not. It just isn't. People are you on the it. party deck? <laughs> okay, maybe. I think one major league field has like a hot tub that you can jump in and just relax. I get in. all that, but at, like the point is like the average no family who's bringing their six year old to like love the game, they're yeah. not sticking. They leave in the seventh inning anyway. <laughs> not if you're, not if it's gonna traffic. not if games are gonna take two and a half hours now as opposed to four. Um, yeah. I guess I mean it didn't. I didn't take off a lot of, of, of time per game. It actually took off twenty five minutes per game. That's a lot of time for for that. It's stuff. basically like uh, time sitting in the parking lot. But one of the things I really hate about these rules is, is the shift restrictions. You if you're hate not, that? If you're not a good enough hitter to hit the ball the opposite way or wherever the ball, wherever the players are not, there you should be reevaluated. Just because you can't hit the ball opposite way doesn't mean I, I shouldn't be able to put my players in the position where I think you're going to hit it. It's just stupid. You're basically telling me I can't make the right decision defensively against a guy who I know. It's like play. It's like playing a guy who only goes lefty while while dribbling the basketball. So I will. I'll say I, I disagree a little bit because. As a pitcher, you can pitch someone a certain way to try to get them. If I mean, you, I'm a, I'm a pitcher. Yeah. Myself. So so if, if you, be, so if you, you're yeah. trying to get someone Expert. to pull the ball, you're gonna throw, you're gonna just hammer them inside. It's it's very hard to take an inside pitch and go the opposite way. So you can pitch it a certain right. way to almost force people to hit that way. So I, I it's not just quite the same to me. Um, you can pitch people certain ways to make them hurt. Hit. Right, but you have to you have to be a good enough hitter to get pitched that way and still find a way to put the ball in play. Tony Gwynn did it all the time. He hit the ball every visit, every spot on the field. Not everybody is going to be Tony Gwynn, dude. But you, need, but you need to be able to hit the ball opposite. But the counter-argument is, can't these players who play f- at first and second be able to be a good enough defensive player to know where the ball is going to be hit anyway? Sure. Instead of shifting somebody over? So, like, yeah. Stay stay in your lane and then let those guys play better defense. I mean, that, why do you need to put six guys over on half? Because the field? it's the right thing to do to get. If, so if if it's the bottom of the ninth, and there's runners, uh, loaded bases, I can't make a shift restriction to make sure that the game stays tied. Now I have to basically let him just hit wherever he wants, but I can't make that play. I can't I can't put my players wherever I want, but he could just now hit the ball wherever he wants. Well, he can't hit it wherever he wants. He's hitting it into the same spot, like you just argued. I understand, but if he can hit it wherever he wants, then your point doesn't make any sense. Agreed, but you understand what I'm trying to say here <laughs> is that the the shift restriction to me, I think, is just bogus. So what you're saying is analytics has killed all sports. Well, yeah, well, it's hurt most of them for you sure. Do it by the numbers, <laughs> by right. the numbers. So then, so here's a question for you guys. So they have larger bases. What's the point of that? Uh, I got it. It is too. Improve player safety and encourage teams to steal more frequently. Mm, okay. I don't see any of that. I don't see the yeah. player safety improving as much. I mean, it's, it's to, they get out of the way a little bit more, so there's mean, less collisions. I don't. It's I don't only really th- yeah, it. three inches square around more. So, so, so you're talking, and you what? Because they're four inches closer, everyone's going to be able to steal now? Like, no. doesn't make much sense. No one's stealing on Yadier Molina. Anyways, you can, give, you can make the bags <laughs> 25 inches square. No one's stealing on that absolute. 
Amen. But the reason people aren't stealing isn't because they can't steal bases. It's because of analytics. <laughs> Why are you going to challenge and have someone possibly get an out when you have a better chance to try to hit a home run? Mm-hmm. Like it's analytics is killing stealing, not bases. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, we need to sit with the board and the MLB and kind of uh, display this. I'm I mean, sure they've been told mm-hmm. many times by a bunch of people. Who also, are no one cares. Than us. No one cares as a fan perspective anymore about people stealing bases or being a 40-40 player. It's not cool. Like, well, well, everybody who plays fantasy baseball cares for the most part, assuming they have steals that matter. Right? Outside of fantasy baseball, it's not sexy it's, to steal bases. Uh, it is, though. It's kind of fun to get your runner to second so, so that they're in scoring position. For tell that to, come on now. <laughs> tell that to Terrence Gore, who basically was on the, the Royals team. Just to steal. Basically had like... This is Dave Roberts for the Red Sox. No, but... but when they the, beat the Yankees. That's I, all he did. I understand that. Gore literally, I think, had one plate appearance and had like 13 steals in the playoffs. So did and Dave he, Roberts. And he, didn't, and he didn't play the whole regular season. They just brought him on when they expanded rosters in the playoffs and was like, mm-hmm. oh, look, someone walked. Go steal second. Go steal third. But that's not a thing anymore. No, it's not. Because don't, you don't... With the shit, with the shift restrictions... And yeah. whatever. It don't matter. I love that. And then, so finally, of course... Which uh, this already came into play, the pitch timer. Yeah. So you want to explain oh. the timer to people since you have it written down yet again? So the pitch timer. It's a very unique rule. Uh, bear with me. Uh, a pitcher must begin his motion before the expiration of the 15 second timer or 20 seconds with at least one runner on base. There will also be a 30 second clock for pitchers between batters. Pitchers will be permitted to step off the rubber twice per plate appearance without penalty, which resets the clock. Any more will be treated as a balk unless an out is recorded on a runner. Furthermore, the pitch clock resets if the base runner advances. I mean, there's more. It's just. And then what's the part? What's the batter's part in this? Uh, so the bat. I mean, there is a batter. Eight seconds. Yeah, you you basically have to be in the box ready to hit with eight seconds to go on the clock. If you're not, just I guess you saw what happened. Right, well, that's what I'm going to say. So I don't know exactly what happened, but I know that we already had a spring training game where, what was it, a one-run game, and the the losing team had runners on. Bases loaded. Bases loaded, two outs. Yep. And then he thought he walked, Mm -hmm. and the umpire said, nope, you're out because you didn't. Batter timer. Yeah, batter timer. So instead of a a a (laughs) walk-off win, they ended up tying the game because they called him out. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, that sounds like I couldn't it's imagine be a problem. It's absolutely <laughs> going to be a yeah, huge. So my deal. big thing is, if you're a really good base runner, you should be able to time up the pitch count by the Ooh. timer. Yeah, that's where the advantage comes in for stealing to me is that you can time it up and say, "Oh, he has to pitch now." I think there's only a certain amount of times. So, as a pitcher, if you're right-handed, in order to throw over to first, you're allowed. You have to step off the rubber, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're a righty and you're only throwing to first, you can only step off the plate. You can only step off the rubber twice per plate appearance. So if there's a guy on first and you already stepped off twice, I know that ball's going home. I'm stealing, right? Is I mean, it, does that sound I, right? It sounds like I, I would have that to comes look in a strategy play. though to like not do that. I guess so. Basically, right. take your one shot. But a lefty, a lefty doesn't have to step off. A lefty can yeah. just go over to first. I, I don't know the fine print for that. I wonder because th- that's definitely an advantage for somebody. This is huge. And how many times do you see, hey, they need to make a pitching change so the pitcher will step off, throw two lollipops to first base, three lollipops to first base, so the other guy can finish warming up. And in, so it's going to change a lot of the strategy that old school managers have. Well, the one thing they showed after this pitch timer thing that happened – there was actually a video that I saw on Twitter that showed somebody with the new pitch timer. They pitched an entire half inning, 
in like three whatever three minutes and whatever seconds. Mm-hmm. It was, and they showed like a game from a year ago, mm-hmm. where this guy in the same time it took this one guy to throw an entire half inning to three different players, mm-hmm. he threw one pitch. He literally th- like it started at the same time. He threw he threw like two half ass pickoff attempts. 20 seconds, 30 seconds in between, taking right, his time, right. does it again, finally throws the pitch, gets in. So by the time he threw his second pitch in this video, the other half inning was gone. So, I mean, that alone is worth doing this. I don't yeah, care. I, especially from a fan's perspective, it definitely is from a player's perspective. I mean, the mind game and the chess match is kind of out the window. You kind of have to – it's more of a speed chess match now. Like, you have to yeah. – you have to – it's less calculation and just more almost flying at the seat of your pants, just There's making, making decisions. I don't disagree with that. Just, it should be different mind games now. Yeah. All right. Faster mind games. So more on this story as it develops, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure we're going to be bringing this up again in future episodes when baseball season really gets rocking. Uh, but one season that is rocking that maybe a good chunk of our people don't pay attention to is the NHL. Um, Connor McDavid scored his 50th goal of the season already, and he's, what the season's what two-thirds of the way done or something like that. Um, it's the first time he's did it. he's done it in his career. What are you doing? I was, I was just giving the guys a little show on the camera. They don't need that a show. A little shimmy. They don't need that show. Um, but anyway, McDavid scored his 50th goal of the season. He is... Jesus on a, skates. Yeah, he's... Right, he's Jesus on skates. The guy's amazing. He's going to set... Not high... Not point records, because he's not touching 200. But at the same point in time, he's doing everything there is to make hockey interesting, and yet still... He's the Damian Lillard... Of the NHL, no because people, he's, no, he and people know. Who I mean, you know, he, he definitely, is. he definitely. Is, about? I would say he's if LeBron James played for the Kings, yeah, for or second, or, or he went to okay. Indiana. Okay, well, I would just say him being in Edmonton probably doesn't do him any justice. Well, that's part of it, you know. Like that's even though the, the, Team the Canada, like Canada, loves their players, et cetera, et cetera, of course, because that's where hockey came from. But yeah, McDavid would be doing a lot more if he was in a Boston or a New York or whatever. And thank God he isn't, because I would not want to deal with that. But um. What it comes down to is even though, you know, Edmonton tanked to get him and he's one of the best players ever, but they haven't really done any, He's been around for six, I don't even know how long it's been now, so many years, and they've barely done that much. They haven't, made, they haven't won a Stanley Cup. They haven't done anything. So, like, does it kind of show that is, is tanking, at least in the hockey scenario, like, worth it? Because like, it kind of seems like if you get that superstar who will change your career – like, it still seems like it takes a lot more than just having that one player. So I, I would say, I mean, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but, like, from a fan perspective, uh, I think it will it works for a couple of years. Like, it has its time, time stamp on it. I think it has, like, three years because then after that, people start losing confidence in that player of, of winning the Stanley Cup. So, like, you get the, those first three years of novelty, and then it kind of wears off. So I think it's... For if you want to do well for three years, then yeah, tanking is the way to go. But if you want to, if you're looking for more of a longevity, what do you got? If, if Joe, I, Joe does not like that take because he's, Big Dave is better than your three year window. I know what you're saying, but like him, his window is his entire career basically. But they have Edmonton has to do the right things to put the right players around him to make sure that like they actually go further in the playoffs. And now I'll let Tom talk because he's getting ready to. If I'm Columbus, if I'm Montreal, if I'm one of these teams that are near the bottom, I would be racing to, to the bottom to get Connor McBedard right now. Like Connor McBedard. McBedard. <laughs> McBedard. Because, like listen, I, I know they haven't done anything, but that's because I blame the GM, and they've not really done a real good job of putting um, a full team around them. 
goaltending has been questionable. Defensemen have been hit and miss. They put some skilled players around him, but they've not built that team around him. You get that guy, you're immediately <laughs> as uh, you say a that they just player. traded for Matthias Eckholm, so that's cool. <laughs> that, oh, so <laughs> we were talking about it earlier if that was going to be Chickering Chit- that they got, and uh, right. that's that's a great pickup for them. But I would 100% think that though it sucks as a fan because you can tank and do it wrong, aka the Buffalo Sabers. But if you tank and get that guy, he can change your franchise around in one year. Fair enough. All right. So, Patrick, you said you had a, a hockey question for us as a guy who doesn't know much about hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I'll ask this uh, this question first. Do you think uh, McDavid will ever catch Gretzky's points? Ooh. And do you know how many points he would have to average for the rest <laughs> of his career in order to catch A it? shit ton. Just an absolute. Per game. Per game? Per he'd game. He'd have to average, what, two points a game or something stupid? 2.1. Yeah. What, how, how, if the, and if you play the same amount of games as Gretzky. Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that he will not. I don't think it's anyone impossible. will. Uh, the game's too much different than it was then. Um, but he, Gretzky was just dunking on bums. Like we were talking about UFC. He, wilt. Was, yeah. he was wilt. Jesus. Yeah, he was case. wilt. Yeah. It seems to be a running thing here. He was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a different thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm not a big hockey fan, as I've stated in the past on this podcast. Uh, but being in the office, it is a big deal to – partake in some just about everyone else yeah everybody here knows something about hockey except for me but <laughs> uh i have some questions since you guys are sabers fans and it is an interesting time of the year being that they're not typically playing games at this time of year that mean anything uh what's the feeling like right now for sabers fans tom um i, I think there's a lot of optimism uh, you see a very young team. I think they might be the youngest team in the NHL, and that's with a 58-year-old goaltender yeah, right. <laughs> and a 48-year-old captain. But um, a lot of young talent, a lot of uh, good young pieces, a lot of guys still in the minors. So it's it's a fun time. It, it almost reminds me of the Bills when they first made the playoffs with Josh Allen where it was like, hey, we're not really supposed to be here, but, hey, we might be good in a while, and you hope that you know they kind of take that next step next year. Uh, but it's just fun. It's fun watching a team that can score goals, that's entertaining, and they're playing meaningful games. Like this being in a playoff race right now for them is awesome. But it's all that's all gravy. Like this is kind of one of those things where they went, they drafted the right guys, they traded for the right guys, like Tage Thompson. It's like all the young kids are growing up together, and it's really cool seeing it. It's not like old days where it was a collection of like waiver wire pickups who were kind of just like bums that nobody else wanted. So we just had to like get to the cap floor essentially and trot out whoever we could, or we were stuck with bad contracts or players who didn't care. Now it's a bunch of young kids who want to be here. They want to win together and they are winning together. And you know, those couple first round picks we had when we were really, really bad, like they're really starting to pay off. Like even, you know, Jack Eichel didn't work out, but the trade that we sent, you know, we sent him away. What we got back in return is working out great for us. Mm -hmm. Like having Tuck, even though he got hurt, you know, Krebs isn't, blossoming the way I'd love him to right now, but he still, like, goes and fights people and stuff, and I didn't expect him to be doing that. And it's just, like, they all like playing for each other. And any team that does that is great. So, like, just to see the growth is cool. Just to be in the, you know, in the hunt is is neat because, you know, it's just going to keep getting better and better. So yeah. I'm ex- I'm more excited for the future, but, like, going for meaningful hockey games right now, that's just that's just bonus. With, uh, with, the, with the deadline approaching, uh, do you guys see anybody – on the block that you guys like to go after as far as the Sabres, that would be a good fit to kind of uh, boost where they're at right now. 
Tom kind of said it earlier where we, he mentioned Jacob Chikrin, the, the defenseman from Arizona, but that's just because he's younger and he's more cost-controlled for a couple years. I don't need them to go out and get some high-priced rental. Don't give up a whole bunch of assets just because you feel like you have to. Mm-hmm. Like, keep stay the course. Like, we got this far doing it this, doing it this way. Don't switch it up just for Connor unneeded David. reasons. Yeah, well, that wouldn't happen <laughs> anyway, but there's just no reason to um, – Give up assets and force stuff that doesn't need to be forced just to make the playoffs now when another year of being better, do it next year. It's fine. Right. Like, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. I like to make a small move. Um, Chitrin's too much for me. I, to me, I, there's a guy like Shattenkirk who is a uh, UFA at the end of the year. Uh, Shen out of Van, uh, Vancouver, another no UFA. Defenseman that you can pit in that second pairing. A uh, veteran guy because that, that defense room is very young. So I'd like to see you get one guy out there to – Kind of help lead the young guys as they go to the playoff push, yeah. um, and I think I think there is something to be said and learned from them making the playoffs and playing in the first round. Even if they were to go in and get swept in the first round, um, I think you learn from from that experience. And the, more than any other sport, playoff hockey is more different than regular season hockey than probably mm-hmm. any other sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being there and learning that is is a big step for them. Yeah. My last question for you guys. Oh, but wait, there's more. No. <laughs> If you could give any advice to any young Saber fans out there, what advice would you give them about Sabres Nation right now? It's or actually, I'd say Sabres Nation going forward. Just lower your expectations. Just be prepared for the worst because that's just how we've always had to do it here in Buffalo. So that way you can't get hurt if your heart's not open. <laughs> Pretend you're a Knicks fan. Ah, man, you know, you don't really have to bring that up. Listen, I mean, you're not wrong. I am both a Sabres fan and a Knicks fan. Maybe it's Patrick. It's not me, it's Sam. Don't blame other people. It's 100% not me. Can you cheer for another team other than the Bills next year and see what happens? No, he can't. He couldn't do it. I really couldn't do that. I I, I don't think I honestly could do that. I wouldn't care about football if I had to get into another fan base. I've thought about changing fan bases and i've gotten close i mean the knicks really dropped that, me away no, all right brendan that's enough you but i couldn't do, do it but i couldn't do it I, I i got close i wanted to i really really wanted to but you I were just, just hurt you I never just, were gonna do it that's you all were it just is. hurt and acting out it it's just, fine you know classic, anyway classic. that's enough sports talk uh we actually need to do our first ad read 52 <laughs> minutes into this show so patrick what do you have for us whoa boy what do i have for you guys if i can find the paper give me a moment here we go <clears throat> today folks we have the 2023 hit parade celebrity signature series mini movie poster edition Are you ready for the ultimate collector's item? Introducing the 2023 Hit Parade Celebrity Signature Series Mini Movie Poster Edition, the must-have for any movie buff or autograph collector. Each box contains one autograph mini movie poster from a star-studded lineup of Hollywood's biggest names. Only 50 hand-numbered boxes were produced, making this a truly exclusive and rare collection. And the headliners for Series 1 are none other than Steven Spielberg, Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Eddie Murphy, iconic stars who have left an indelible mark on the movie industry. Imagine owning a piece of movie history with a signature from one of these Hollywood legends. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to add add to your collection or give a -a one-of-a-kind gift to a movie lover in your life, just like Tom here. Order your 2023 Hit Parade Celebrity Signature Series Mini Movie Poster Edition 
today, folks. Beautiful. Not reading. tomorrow. Today. <laughs> well, you do it tomorrow, too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, either way. But, yeah, that kind of leads into some movie chatter. Um, where, where are we at here? We are at... Tom. Well, we, we'll skip that part. We're going to the movies first. Tom and I went to go see Ant-Man, uh, the next phase of Marvel's massive empire. Who picked uh, up who? We met there. Classy. Yeah. It's kind cool. of in between. It's Classy. Midway. Anybody, it's anybody pay for anybody's ticket? Yeah, Tom did. I didn't pay for him yet. Oh, but he's in every like, movie Shaman, ever. bro. That's not a shocker Shaman. at all. Don't even, don't even project <laughs> you are... that into the universe. <laughs> I don't have time. No. What, a chivalrous, what a chivalrous gentleman you are, Tom. I hate all of you. <laughs> but anyway, um, Ant-Man was pretty good. But, Tom, you're more of the movie guy, so you give me your little uh, review on it without spoiling yeah. it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Um, so it was a very fun movie. Um Ant-Man in general in the the scope of Marvel has been kind of a, a character that they've kind of had fun with, haven't taken too seriously. Um, this movie kind of falls in line with that. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a good movie because it doesn't introduce, well, it introduces a, a few new characters, um, but really kind of dives deep into some people that's going to be important for the Phase 4, Phase 5, it's whatever four, they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very happy. Um, if my boy Sam was here, I think he would give it a probably like a three point eight <laughs> stars. Um, but it, it had me laughing at certain parts. had had good action, and some people are three D fans, some people aren't. Because this happens in the quantum realm, um, it's kind of cool because the three D you have very cool sets because it's not your your usual thing. So true. Um, it was I, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I would recommend going seeing it. Um, if anybody wants to talk about it further, you can shoot us an email. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, like I said, I enjoy the movie as well. Uh, in terms of Marvel movies go, I'd say it falls somewhere in the middle. It's not the best one of all time, but it's definitely not one of the worst. So, Are you a Marvel guy? I mean, I, I go see all of the movies, but like, I don't know the lore of every random creature that ever existed like some people do, and that's fine. We can't all be nerds. But <laughs> Nerd alert. <laughs> yeah, okay. So let's just figure out. Speaking of nerds, uh, Mandalorian Episode 1 comes out Wednesday. Uh, that's... When was the le- how long has it been since Mandalorian's been? Has it been two years? Or just uh, one? I don't know. It's been a minute. So shout out John Favreau. <sighs> you really, you really wanted to say it the whole time. He's, 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 so bad. he's been waiting for the so last bad. What, like fifty-eight minutes or however long this is. Fifty-seven. The, da- the Damien Lillard of the movie industry, as oh I called God. him. <laughs> he's not the Will Chamberlain of the movie industry. No, he is not. That's he Steven is. Spielberg. Yes, that is okay, correct. Okay. <laughs> Mandalorian episode one. It, it comes out. Um, well, actually, by the time you guys hear this, it, it uh, came out yesterday because this should be posted on a Thursday, and we're talking on a Tuesday, so that that doesn't work that way. But I'm excited for it. It's one of my – I actually really enjoy the show. I'm not a huge Star Wars guy like Tom will 100% attest that he is, uh, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I'm really excited for it. I don't usually watch too many TV shows like um, where you wait for an episode every week, but mm-hmm. this is one that I'll do it for, and actually – what is it? The Last of Us too. I've been doing that. That's been really good too. But get we'll get into that. that. We'll get into that some other time because we are running a little long already. Uh, but Tom wanted to ask a question, and he wants to ask this to us, and hopefully people will argue this. And we won't go too long on this because you and the other nerds in the office before we got recording did forty five minutes on this, and I didn't know what you were talking about. But what is the best Star Wars show? And I think you're reco- you're referring to everything that isn't the original trilogy. Yeah. So. Um, obviously, you guys aren't as big a nerds as I am for Star Wars, so Absolutely you might not, not. have as uh, deep-hearted opinions. So this is this is out to everybody else. Um, I know a lot of people love The Mandalorian, and it's their favorite thing that they've put out. It's a good one. 
Um, John Favreau. I, I, stop it. My, my argument against that is I feel like people who are Star Wars fans have such strong ideas of who characters are and who characters should be mm-hmm. that anything that comes out that has characters that they already know, that they're either going to love it because it's how they th- pictured it in their head or they're yeah. going to hate it because it's not how they pictured it. Um, I think Marvel's starting to, to run into some of this as well. Um, so I am way out of left field. Everyone hates this movie other than me, so this is my hot take. But I love Episode Eight. Which one is that? That is the very slow crawl of a chase scene that everybody hates. What is it called? What's Episode Eight called? I can't remember. It's like a hope something. A hope. <laughs> I don't know. They all say Episode it. Four is the new hope. Cool. So what's Eight? Eight is the old hope. <laughs> <laughs> the next hope. The rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. That's the one. I like that one. What are you even talking about? I, I saw that one. That one's pretty cool. Yeah, well, most well because you're not a Star Wars like through and through. Dork. Like you don't have yeah. you don't have those beliefs. Like not gonna be Luke could never Luke could never do that. How could he ever be that? That is not with his character. Like everyone just hates because they have these pre existing um, expectations. Well, they should have wrote it then. So oh, they have. Yeah. <laughs> they have. Well, they should. So <laughs> I, I am a person who tries not to bring any of that into the theater. So I really enjoyed that one. Uh, Rogue One is another one that was great. Um, if you ask me, probably the best movie. Show-wise, um, I love The Mandalorian, but I think Andor actually might be my favorite show that Disney's come out with. I never with. watched that one, so it's worth the watch then? I, I think so. Okay. Patrick, you have anything to say on any of this? I really that's I a, really don't. That's super okay, so why don't instead you tell us about the next product? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, could definitely, I could definitely do that. Um, I would like to say I would like to get into more Marvel stuff myself we'll get in there some other time yeah it's, we're not we're gonna get into it now. now let's talk about the hit parade gaming 151 light series series one attention all pokemon trainers and collectors get ready for the ultimate gaming experience with the 2023 hit parade gaming 151 light series series one a lot of series a lot of series the lighter brighter and better version of your favorite collectible series this year's 151 light edition is packed full of generation one pokemon cards that are sure to take you on a trip down memory lane each box comes with one graded pokemon one graded generation one pokemon tcg card featuring no restrictions on the set they come from and that's not all what never would have guessed it you will also receive one sealed pack of Pokemon cards, including highly sought-after sets like Base Set, Ultimate Chinese, Darkness Ablaze, and Unified Minds. This limited edition run is hand-numbered with only 200 boxes produced. So what are you waiting for? Don't miss your chance to be a part of the hottest collectible series of 2023. Get your hands on the Hit Parade Gaming 151 Light Series 1 today. So how many people do you think tuned out between the two movie ads or the two ads that he read? <laughs> I feel like ninety-two percent of our they're definitely just clicking. Pads. No, it's fine. It's fine. I do it to every podcast too, right? So <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna close up with some hip parade information because that's what we have to do. Um, our Dave and Adam show is this weekend. Uh, Tom, what can you tell us about it? So it is a show that they've been doing for good customers for a long time. Yeah, uh, they do it at the retail store, and this year they've kind of opened it up a little bit. Added some more tables, trying to get a, a little bit more hype to it. Uh, and hopefully this is the springboard to a big Dave and Adam slash Hip Parade show in the future. Yeah, that's really what I'm hoping for, too. I know we got a couple of our uh, best people we buy from coming in, so we're going to have a good time with them this weekend. should be fun. Yeah. Can, you, can you imagine having a show where we don't have to travel eight hours? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. Right in our backyard? Yeah, it's this weekend. <laughs> I can definitely imagine it existing. <laughs> 
but yeah, I'd probably still sleep in a hotel, right? <laughs> so <laughs> have to put me up, That'd be funny. put yeah. me in hotel, Henry. <laughs> wait, 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 what happened here? So, funny. so anyway, we've been, like this job has afforded me even in a year and a half to go all over the, all over the country. Like, and Tom, you've been everywhere from Hawaii. We're going to Vegas soon. We've been to Nashville. We've been to Tampa. We've been. Vegas. Yeah, you name it. I already said Vegas. Dallas, You're LA. not listening to anything. Why are you here? I'm Dallas, here. LA, Chicago. Yeah, San Diego. Philadelphia. Yeah. We've been a lot of cool places Atlanta, in a short Denver. amount of time. So my question for you is, because there are a lot of shows out there, but like, where would you want a show to be that we haven't been to yet to like go and hang out in? Like, Where do you really hope that they one day say, hey, we're having a show here, and be like, that's the one I'm going to. Like, You're calling dibs on it. Tom? So... One that won't happen, or maybe maybe it will, would be Alaska, just because I want to go to Alaska. Um, <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't. I don't think we're going to make that. I don't know how many how many mm-hmm. card shops there are out in Alaska, but you never know. Um, to me, I think Seattle would be really cool. Um, I've been on the West Coast through California, never been up to Seattle. I think that would be a really cool place to go. Uh, one place I've gone once and hope to go back soon is Denver. Um, great show, but outside of that, um, a lot of. Cool things to do, breweries, things to do in the mountains. Um, so I definitely like to go back to Denver. Uh, plus, like I said, Mike Fruitman runs a great show out there. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, and I think this is the greatest place that we could have a card show and go to it because the best part about card shows, Disney! not oh. at all. The best, like the best card shows, are the ones where like you can go to the show, hang out with a bunch of cool people, then go out and do a bunch of fun stuff afterwards. And I think the answer to that is New Orleans. God, I, yes, I good. literally just wrote it down. This- so. I started talking first because I didn't want you to steal it. This is, New Orleans is one of my favorite places to visit. Um, it might actually be my favorite place to go in the U.S. that I've visited so far. But I when my been, family came to America. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Anyway, so back to my point. Uh, New Orleans is super fun. The food is great. Obviously, the bur- like the card people on Bourbon Street would just be hilarious. And it's I've always I've never not had fun there. Like, I think it would just be a great atmosphere, and if there's a New Orleans card show that we don't know about, somebody can email us. Again, that's podcast at hitparadecollection.com, and tell us that we're missing out on it, because I think we'd have a ball there. So, Patrick, uh, mm. did you, where, where would you like to go? <laughs> <laughs> so glad I still So, I, uh... <laughs> Old Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I... Uh, Rouge. So, one of, uh, one of... I really love the show in Rosemont they do in Illinois. I prefer a show in the actual city of Chicago. If there's an actual show in the city of Chicago, I You'll be there for C2E2. I thought, well, that's... Well, that's I mean, a sports card show. Yeah. Um, one where we'll all go. But, yeah, I that or Miami. I would, lo- I would love to too. go to Miami. I think that would be... Somewhere warm is nice. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe you beat me to Louisiana or New Orleans. Either I way, love it. I'm so glad that I did. Uh, either way, yeah. So that that's mine. It would be the actual city of Chicago or Miami. See, I didn't know what yours was, so that's why I spoke. I, I, was, I was like, what if he's writing it down? Didn't see you write it, but so I'm writing glad it that down. I took it. So thank you for not stealing my idea. No problem. Anytime. Okay. Well, <laughs> this has been fun, but now we're to the uh, final thoughts portion of our program where we can wrap it up because. We're just over an hour. It's not too bad. So, final thoughts. Um, are you ready? Or are you still too too messed up? For oh, me? I got one. I got right. one. Uh, Please give it to me. You should get a technical foul for not taunting after big plays in sports. So, technical foul or a personal foul flag, maybe a red card. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what you should do. That's it. Taunting. Absolutely, taunting should one hundred percent be after every play. It comes in the rule book now. That's madness. <laughs> sure. Go for it. Tom, what do you got, bud? So I am a, a big Duke fan. 
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, my favorite player growing up was Bobby Hurley, and he coaches Arizona State now. And over the weekend, <laughs> Arizona State hit a 60-footer at the buzzer to beat Arizona, who was ranked, I think, number eight at the time. Oh um, and they went from not in the tournament to the last one in the tournament in the projections right now. Um, so I know I talked about March Madness being my favorite time of year for sports. Uh, these next two weeks leading up to it, you have your last week of the regular season, and then you have conference tournaments. A ton of good basketball, a ton of teams jockeying for those last spots in the tournament, jockeying for top seeds in the tournament. Just a lot of fun, a lot of cool basketball. Uh, whether you're fans of the teams or not, it's always always fun watching those games. Yeah, for sure. All right, so my final thought, I don't really have a good one at this time around. So I'm going to get a shout-out to uh, everybody in the office. Uh, for those who don't know, we've been doing a little bit of a weight loss challenge here in the office, and for the most part, it's been going pretty well. Um, we've been doing weigh-ins. We're going through April, and everybody who's been a part of it has been, like, kind of dialed in on it. Uh, Patrick has lost an insane amount of weight already, right? Uh, yeah, just about 15 pounds. Yeah, Patrick's been slaying it. I've been doing okay. Tom, you uh, you went up last time. It's fine, though. Uh, <laughs> Still in second place. <laughs> and we didn't even get video evidence of your weigh-in, so we're not even sure if it was actually what you said it was. So, But that's okay because you're, you're, you're doing your thing. You're on the road, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, it was believable. Um, the point is people actually are trying, and they're trying to better ourselves. And the more we support each other here, the more fun it is. Uh, but speaking of that, speaking of support, like I said, running a podcast is a pain um it's fun for us to talk about these topics but getting together recording finding the right time to record because we all have different schedules here uh luckily we've been able to do it mostly on tuesdays except for last week where it was just another headache but it's been fun i've really enjoyed watching it grow and seeing that we're reaching more people far further away so thank you everybody who's told other people about it because i know some people are sharing people have been texting me or messaging me on facebook and stuff and giving me like tips and I love that. So keep that coming. Like I said, you guys can email us. You can reach out to us on social media, anything hit parade. Uh, it'll get back to us. Uh, but we, I just appreciate people for listening. Cause it does, we do put a little bit of work into this. Patrick has a whole litany of notes. Like I tell you every time and with the editing, the podcast and you know, we got a few people who you don't know about yet, but you'll, you'll know about them soon that help us with this. And I couldn't be more thankful. It's been a lot of fun and it's only been three episodes. So again, I'm just excited to see where we end up with this. So thank you everybody for listening and hopefully you'll be back next week too. Uh, that's about it. Take care. Go next. Bye. <laughs>